0: go ahead and open with prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come before you to open your word. We thank you for each person that's here and for your word alive and true. It is where our hope is. It is your blood that covers our sins and you died for our sins. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. First Timothy chapter 5. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger man as brothers and elder women as mothers and younger as sisters with all purity. We're going to stop there. <laughs> uh, as I was studying this this week, I'm looking at it. And I'm going the first two verses make a very short message, but have to go all the way to chapter 16, uh, verse 16 to get to the next point finish. So we're not going to try to do all of those in one session. So we'll see how long-winded I get on two verses, (laughs) which is possible. Uh, Remember, Timothy is a young pastor. Uh, We were told in uh, the previous uh, chapter, it says, don't let anybody despise your youth. So here, Paul is telling Timothy how to behave as a good pastor (laughs) to the members of his church. And he starts out telling them to be careful. (laughs) Be careful because how many people have had their reputation ruined as pastors for not dealing correctly with the church? We hear frequently some pastor or evangelism, evangelist, getting in trouble because of committing adultery or fornication in his church because he forgets, this verse basically, he forgets how to deal with this. And he stands out with rebuke not an elder. Now this elder is not talking about pastors and leaders. It's literally talking about older men. We know that because of the context that he's, that he's talking about. And this is something that is very important. You know, have you ever been in a place where you had to correct somebody who's older than you? It's a tough thing to do because you're trying to be honorable. You know, God tells us to honor our fathers and our mothers. And we think about this, what does honor really mean? You know, honor means to lift them up, to hold them in esteem, you know, to be loyal to them. Uh, How many times do we break that loyalty in our own families, our own friends, or at work, even in church? You know, have you heard what so-and-so has done? Uh, well no and I don't really want to know (laughs) okay because if I'm really honoring somebody I don't want to know all the bad that they have done and it's very important for us I want to know how people are growing in Christ not all the bad that they do because I don't want them knowing all the bad that I do (laughs) okay and your God is really good if you want to be spreading, spreading gossip around God will make sure that all your dirty linen is is spread around too. So be very careful, we need to learn to honor, to exhort. And it is possible to go to an older person and say, you know, I really love you, I care about you, but I'm seeing this in your life and that's concerning me. It's possible to do it in a loving, kind way. And this is what Timothy's being told. You've got a lot of men up there that are old enough to be your dad and your grandparents, you can't just get your finger in their face and say, correct your ways. You know, and this is something that sometimes we forget as Christians when we start trying to help others live a godly life. We get in their face, tell them about how bad they are, and that usually will reciprocate them telling us about all the bad things they see in our life. And you know, we want to be careful because when we attack somebody, it's human nature to attack back. We need to be loving, and as I said, the most important step in, in, in that ex- encouraging anybody, especially an elder, is pray pray for them you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is usually when you start praying for somebody, their life changes <laughs> without me ever having to say anything I just pray for somebody Lord I'm concerned about this person and you know help help my, change my attitude toward them or help change them it doesn't really matter to me but help this situation and I think over the years, I think he's changed me more than he's changed them, but I know that God has also changed them. You know, he's been able to say, don't be so concerned with it. You know, how often do we not trust the Holy Spirit to fix somebody's life? How often do we not trust the Holy Spirit to fix our life? <laughs> okay. And if we're struggling with the Holy Spirit fixing our life, we definitely aren't going to trust the Holy Spirit to fix somebody else's life. Now, I think about this, you know, we as Christians say, I trust God to take me to heaven and give me rewards in heaven. But many of us don't trust God to take care of us on earth, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. God, I don't think you can provide for me now, but I'm going to trust you to take care of me in heaven. You know, I see this stuff. I don't see that stuff. You're going to take care of me there, but I don't trust you here. We need to be careful with this. How much do we trust God? You know, doesn't mean we don't do anything, and I've shared this before, you know, oh God, I need to pay my bills, you know, dump $300 on me. And God says, okay, I've got this job for you to do for three days. Uh, God, no, I'm waiting for you to give me my money. That, you know, God says, well, I've given you that job. We need to be careful. When God provides something, we take advantage of it. And a lot of times his answers to prayer come in the disguise of hard work. But we also don't want to get anxious and be, oh, God, i got to go find work. i got to go do this. Because sometimes God will just give you that blessing as well. Be willing to do what he's asking you to do. When I was living by faith when I first became a pastor here and lost my job, it was a lot of times it was very hard work. You know, God would say, okay, here's a job for you to do. Go fix somebody's computer. Go install this. Go do this. Go do this. Other times there would be a check that just handed to me and say, this is it don't get paranoid don't get out of rest with god but we exhort one another he says as a father treat these men as a father you know i don't know how many of you have ever had a time where you had to go and correct your father you know sometimes in your generation you probably never would think about that (laughs) but you know my dad and i used to have theological discussions frequently you know i grew up he was my teacher but we didn't agree with everything theologically (laughs) And there were times when we would have these discussions and you know I had to say, He's he's my disciple, I'm gonna honor him. But it would be, Dad, I think this is wrong and this is why <laughs> and explain why I believe what it is and he usually didn't buy it, but that's okay. You know, but I would explain why. I thought this. Then he says, Treat the younger men as brothers. You know. Now that does not mean go out and fight them like you would your brothers. <laughs> okay. he was saying give them honor give them respect they're equal to you even though you're the pastor timothy treat them with respect and this is something that's very important there are churches where pastors say, i'm i'm pastor you're going to do what i say you're going to you know that doesn't work there's nothing special about being a pastor other than god has anointed you to teach and love people and that's about the only difference there is other than that everybody is equal at the foot of the cross everybody has equal access to the Holy Spirit and I've shared with you the greatest thing when you're studying the Bible is to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit wrote the book and the Holy Spirit can tell you what it means now the good news is as you get trained you can know why you it's true but you know the Holy Spirit will tell you this is true and as long as it's not contrary to some other part of the Bible you're being taught right you're listening to the Holy Spirit but when you come up with something, it must stay in context with what you're reading, and it must be in context with the whole Bible. If you come up to me and say, well, I'm going to go into business with this lost person because it's just a good deal, I'm going to say, no, don't be unequally yoked. Because they're going to want to run the business the way of the world. You hopefully are going to want to run the business godly. The Bible says don't do this. Now We can violate it, and, we see it, and people sometimes get successful when they violate scripture. But man, it makes life miserable. It makes life miserable. You know, in, the pro- the, in Proverbs we're reading, it says, don't be surety for another. That means don't co-sign in, in plain English. You know, now, how many of you, and I don't raise your hands, but think about this, how many times have you co-signed for some family or friend's loan and ended up getting stuck with the bill? That's usually what happens. They say, this guy can't pay his bill back. We see a history of not being able to pay their bill back. You can pay your bill back, so we'll make you pay it. God says don't do that. But yet we do it frequently, especially parents with their kids. <laughs> and, you know, we want to be very careful about this. We need to be looking at doing things God's way. You know, God, this is what you say. I want to do it this way. And encourage these individuals to obey God. You know, when we talk to people and we're giving counsel, is our counsel based on the word of God? Or is it worldly wisdom? And you hear this a lot in our world, I'm, especially out the prison, I hear it all the time. Well, I'm having trouble with so-and-so, my, my live-in or whatever you want to call them, you know, or my, my husband, my wife, uh, well, you should just leave them. That's the world's knowledge, you know, answer. You having a hard time? Get rid of them. God's answer is not really answer. bad answer. He says, you stay with them unless there is adultery. And if you're living together, you're already violating God anyway because you're living in fornication. So you're already not living godly, get, get your life correct. But we need to be able to look, God, what do you say to do? When we were going through the book of Deuteronomy, we looked at what the word truth means. God's word for truth is that you say what you know. <laughs> you know, what's our definition of truth in the world? I'm going to say as little as I possibly can so they're not quite lying, but I'm not quite telling the truth. Okay, I know that I saw you go into that house, but you didn't ask me if you went in the house. You just saw, did I see you? Yes, I saw you. Okay, did you, you know, and they had to dig deeper down and dig, you know, dig deeper down. That's not what God defines as truth. And I've said this before. In the court system, they, they, you said, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. Yes, it's now I affirm to tell the truth of the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And yet your learners will tell you to answer only what they ask you. Don't tell the whole truth like God wants you to. You just follow my advice and answer just. If they don't ask you, you don't tell them. That's not God's definition of truth. Are we looking at living godly? Are we, when we're looking through the scripture, saying, God, you've asked me to do this. And I'm going to tell you, every time you hear a message, every time you read your Bible, every time God speaks to you, get ready for the test in that area, because he's going to say, do you believe? Now, if you're very low, you know, very just learning it, it'll be an easy test, but it'll be hard to you because it's still a test. But, you know, we need to be ready for these tests. God is spending our entire life sanctifying us, making us more perfect. That means when he teaches us to love somebody, we're gonna come across somebody that's gonna be very hard to love, very quickly. (laughs) I told everybody on my very first message I ever taught, I I talked about love. I was about 15 at the time. (laughs) Uh, We talked about love and that week I got into three fist fights at school. (laughs) I did not pass the test very well for my preaching. (laughs) Now I've learned a lot since then. I I pretty much now have learned to be aware of the tests that are gonna come my way. But you know, we need to understand when we learn something through our personal reading, from our personal study, from the pastors we listen to on the radio, to to you coming to church on on Sunday morning and whenever else, (laughs) you're gonna be accountable for what you're hearing and God's gonna test it. It's going to be tested to see, do you believe? You know, and this is something that's really true, because sometimes we'll say, God, I really believe you. God, I believe that you're omnipresent and you're everywhere. Then you're everywhere, and they want say something like, Well, you know, if if uh, I had people around me, I wouldn't be doing this. Well, is it God around you? <laughs> uh, this week uh, we had a new guy hired in the education department, and he found out I was a pastor. He goes, Well, I got to be careful what I say and do around you. I'm going doesn't matter what you do around me God's God's watching you and he's the one that it matters I don't care what you do but you know the whole idea of omnipresence are we aware that God is there you know a lot of people say well if my mom was here I wouldn't do it your mom's more important than God God's with you but you see how we sometimes don't truly believe what we say we believe God is good, and God is good all the time, but yet I don't trust him to provide for me when everything seems to be going wrong. I go, God, I just, you know, what's, what's going on here? God, you, did you go on vacation? You know, uh, you're supposed to be taking care of these things, and God says, I've got a good plan. I have this plan. Then Timothy's told to, of the elder women as mothers. Okay, so he's being told, you know, the older women... Think of them as your mother. Treat them with respect. Give them that honor. You know, be able to say, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm gonna protect you, especially in his day. Okay, mothers were to be protected. First by their husbands, and when the husband died, the, the, the children were to take care of them. How sad it is we don't do all of that in our day and age. It, you know, the, the children. So Timothy, this has a two-edged side on it. It says, be honorable to her. But be protective of her, you know. And this is very important. And this message actually doesn't go over real well in our day and age that women women are to be protected, you know, and with all of our uh, feminism and everything, and that they can take care of themselves, you know. But it's still, God says, do it. And I'm going to side on God's side, whether it's liked or not. <laughs> be protective of of them. And then he finishes off and treat the younger as sisters with all purity, okay? And this one, I think, is really aimed at him being a young man and saying, be careful what you do and where you're at with these younger women. There's no indication whether he was married or not, which didn't mean that he couldn't go out with them or couldn't court somebody. But if he did, he better follow the rules which meant that in that day somebody was there with them every time they did it, went out. And this is what he's saying here is be careful because there are so many pastors who get in trouble. They forget and they start looking around and saying, well, that person looks really, really nice. Maybe, maybe I can do something right. And they do something that it looks wrong. And it may not even be wrong, okay. The, the married pastor goes out and has lunch with somebody, you know, some woman, not a wise thing to do by themselves. Just not wise. It could be totally innocent, but don't do it. And that's what he's being told. These things apply to us as Christians. We are to be careful what we do in its appearance of evil. There's a lot of things that are done that appear evil. And they may be done fully innocently. And we need to be very careful. You know, are you hanging out with somebody who's not your not your spouse? You know, in a secluded place. Maybe nothing's going on. Maybe you literally are just counseling one another and having a good time with the Bible. Doesn't appear good. And people are gonna talk. You know. There's there's stories about you know where all the time where people will talk, you know, a pastor, you know, goes to a store and the only place to park is in front of the liquor store as he goes across the street and everybody talks about how, you know, he's gone into the bar. (laughs) We saw his car in front of the bar. He must have been in the bar. Now, that's kind of far-fetched, I understand. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but, you know, there's this whole idea of, number one, that people shouldn't be judging, but by the same token, we need to be careful what we do. Because it's so easy. People judge easily you now, as much as I don't want to judge I, I have to catch myself frequently and say no you can't go there you're not going to judge this this person this individual this activity uh, and we have to be careful because our human nature wants to judge well you know I don't know what they're doing over there I, I can't figure out you know what kind of sin are they doing I you know well I wouldn't do that so I can't understand why they're doing that And we need to be careful that we don't do it in our own church, our own people. And even more importantly, that we don't do it to other churches. Well, you know, if I was in that church, I wouldn't be doing that. Well, I'm not in that church. It doesn't matter what I think. Okay. Just as it doesn't matter what they think about what we do. (laughs) And we want to be very careful about that because all the hypocrisy that can come out. Because if we want to look at the bad things that everybody's doing, there's plenty of them. We'll find plenty of things to criticize and complain about and, and make a big deal out. If you want to find the good things, look for the good things. I have met so many people. I go talking to them and they'll go, well, I go, so what church do you go to at some point? Well, you know, I haven't found a good church yet. I go, oh, how long have you been looking? Oh, about 10 years. <laughs> I'm going, well, what exactly are you looking for in a church that has taken you 10 years to find? What they've just told me is I'm going with a critical spirit looking for something wrong so I won't go to that church. And you know what? I've learned something very important over 48 years. There's no perfect church. (laughs) Okay? There is no perfect church. The pastors I've sat in, I trust their teaching, but you know what? There's always places where the pastor and I have not totally agreed. I'd be afraid if I totally agreed with every word that the pastor said. And I'm sure there are people here that don't agree with every word that I say. And you know what? That's praise God. As long as you can tell why you believe what you believe, I don't care. Because I can tell you why I believe what I believe and give you the reasons for it. And I'm the pastor. I get to teach what I believe, so it's easy these days. Uh, But, you know, I don't have a problem with somebody saying, well, you know, pastor, I kind of disagree and here's why. Now, if you just tell me you disagree and can't tell me why, then we got a, a little more of an issue. But you go, I, you know, Pastor, this is what I think. Oh, praise God. <laughs> I've done that with pastors. I've gone into them on a, later in the week on, in their office and talked to them about what I, what, I, what I heard them say and what I believe. Now, I didn't go around to the different members, that, you know, Pastor really shouldn't be teaching this, you know, and trying to tear him down. But we need to be able to just love one another enough to share and ask questions. One thing you'll know about me is I'm not afraid of a Bible question at all. (laughs) You know, because I know what I believe. I've studied hard to know what I believe. And I will express what I believe. If you don't believe it, fine. Tell me why you don't. You might even might even convince me that I'm wrong. You know, it's possible. It doesn't happen very often, but it's possible. Because I can I can be wrong and I know it. And we need to be able to love one another enough to just say give them grace give grace you know the worst thing you can find in a in a in a church and amongst believers is people that are just piling on the law this is what God's Word says you know this is what it says I'm gonna pile on a whole bunch of rules to you I have seen more people reject God because of the rules and accept God when he says his grace his grace does that mean God wants us to go out and live ungodly lives absolutely not He is sanctifying us. He is making us more and more perfect each each day. He wants us to live holy and righteous lives, but he has grace. When the prodigal son returned, the father embraced him and had a celebration that he returned. Now, when Jesus told that story, the Jewish uh, leaders, they'd heard the story before. Not the way he told it, though. The son goes, oh, God, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. He goes off. He spoils his inheritance. He comes back, says, let me be a servant. And, then, and they said the father then makes him a servant and makes him pay dearly for, for wanting his inheritance. And Jesus turned it around and said the father accepts him. That shocked them. That's not the way the story would, was supposed to go in their mind. But that's God's attitude toward us. Welcome home. You knew where to come back to and this is what we want to do is we look at one another we're all gonna fall every one of us we need to be able to give God's grace to one another love people and say come on back because God's gonna say welcome we need to be his children we need to see say welcome welcome back treating each other with respect with honor with caring And because God is wanting us to live this way, he says there's rules in our life. But he's also saying, I'm going to change you. He indwells us and changes us. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are immersed in the Holy Spirit. And he changes who we are. It's a wonderful, easy statement. Living the Christian life is actually the easiest thing in the world. You just surrender to the Holy Spirit's changing of your life you read the word you get taught you get you get your mind changed and I'm hoping that everybody who's listened for long enough you have changed you're not the same person you were last month a year ago two years ago four years ago that God is changing your life and your heart because that's what he does if he's in you he's going to change you if you're not being changed then you really seriously have to look and say God are you in me Am I your child? If you're not seeing a change in your life, then you need to be able to say, Am I your child? And if you're not, then you say, God, I'm a sinner. Help come into my heart and, and change in, and live in, in me. And you know, over the years, I've seen many people in their 60s, 70s, 80s who all of a sudden realize they don't know God. That God hasn't been part of their life and have become, become Christians late in life. And they, some of them have gone to church all their life. But you know, Coming to church does not guarantee that you're gonna become a Christian. When you've heard the message so many times, it can become old hat. You know, have you ever sat in a message that I've done, and it's quite possible, where you go, well, I've heard that before, no, nothing new. You know, I've been there, I've done it. You know, oh, well, you know, I've heard this all the time. What's, you know, what, what new points out of it? We need to be very careful about that because what I've been learning over the years is there's always something, always something that needs to be learned. Some of the times, some of the greatest messages I've heard have been from young people who barely knew what they were talking about, but they would make a point that was really interesting. And I've learned over time that whoever is speaking, if they're talking and they're godly, there's gonna be something that's worth listening to, something, may not be a lot, (laughs) It may not be even a great big, wow, this is wonderful. It could be just a little, oh, I needed, I needed that. I needed that piece of information. Uh, we're going to close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come before you. Lord, help us to learn how to treat one another. Lord, teach us to love one another because you want to love. And that we will exhort and build up and edify And see you working amongst people's lives. And we just thank you, Lord, that you love us. You loved us first so that we can love you. You loved us enough to die for us so that we could spend eternity with you. And then you give us grace and mercy on top of all of that. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.